Wow. Well, that was intense. <laughs> that was beautiful. So maybe I'll just do a little bit of um, explaining, <laughs> just in case I know for some of us it's probably not normal. It isn't normal. It's supernatural. Um, This <clears throat> okay, well, what was happening this morning is just a sense of um, we believe as 24-7 church and really just as the church, we know more than ever before that we were never designed or created or called um, for just feel-good self-help services, um, <laughs> you know, where, where you once a week manage to pick yourself up enough to get to church on time, <laughs> and uh, manage to endure a little bit of uh, singing, <laughs> and then hopefully you hear a word with seven steps to make you a better person or a better businessman, or, um, you know, and I'm not mocking at all, I'm just saying that there's more, and uh, as, as 24-7, we just, we just felt that we want to be a people that value the presence of the Lord above everything else. And when you value His presence, you start to care about the things that He cares about. And so we, we pray this prayer, Lord, give me your heart. And when we pray this prayer, give me your heart, sometimes we don't realize that the Lord says, okay, are you ready? Uh, brace yourself. I'm going to show you people and places and languages and nations that you never even considered or thought about. And I'm going to show you how I feel about this. Um, and it can be, you know, right here in this room. He can make you feel that way about somebody in this room or it can be someone across the nation, someone on the other side of the world. The point isn't the nations. I just want to make this clear. Nations are, yeah, locations and whatever. We're talking about people. When we sing about nations, talk about nations, when we prophesy, it's not just about the location. It's about the fact that in that location is a group of people that he loves. And we've become the body of Jesus here on the earth. We can bless people. We can love people and we're called because the Father's chosen not to show himself um, outside of his body. That's a privilege as, as the church. Um, and one day we'll get a revelation of that and, and we'll begin to really shine. Anyway, <clears throat> so I just want you to know it's okay. You're safe. That was pretty wild, pretty crazy, but you're still here. It's all good. We're, we are a bunch of nutters. That's probably, we should just say that. We are crazy. <laughs> We're crazy in love with Jesus. We are not after normal at all. Um, and uh, that's, a, that's a good thing. Um, but I just want to say to you 24-7 that you are so loved by the Lord. And at this time, it's, it's so beautiful and such a privilege to be the church in this city, in Johannesburg. Um, and, you know, coming, coming back, Jess and I coming back from the Middle East, we were just so grateful to have a family like this and uh, to know that this family uh, is connected to families in the spirit across the world that we don't even know. And um, I shared, if you haven't listened to last week, that was part one of what I'm going to uh, share today. So if you can go back and listen to it, that would be great. But I did share a little bit around just what we had experienced. And on Wednesday night, we shared the full testimony of being there. <clears throat> but we were welcomed into the family within 10 minutes of meeting these beautiful Syrian refugees. And uh, we were in their homes and we just fell in love with them. Um, we've been in contact with them every day and just, I mean, literally we blow kisses to each other over voice notes. It's kind of weird, but, um, but that's what family is, you know. Um, and I just want to honor Hanny and Natalia as well and just say thank you. I feel like every time I see you, I want to honor you, but I just want to say thank you. 
um, because without you, uh, we wouldn't have met those beautiful people. And I felt, um, <clears throat> as for us as a community and as a church, and even for us, we felt that um, what the Lord did in us in Turkey was was for uh, the nation of Turkey and Syria, um, but it was also for 24/7 and the city of Antakya. And, there was so much that the Lord was doing, but I felt like that trip was a confirmation in the spirit that we were called to run together. And, um, and it was like suddenly we'd been waiting to see what the Lord was opening up. And it was like suddenly there was his stamp of approval, like run. And then suddenly in the spirit, you just feel this momentum. And it's like, okay, now I don't even know what he's going to do, but it's just beautiful. And so we just want to say we love you and thank you. Um, and, and they all send, by the way, they all love Hanny to bits. And they say they, they can't understand how he's Egyptian because somehow they think he's got red hair. So they say, we met this Egyptian who has red hair. How is he Egyptian? I know. Yeah. But it was so special. It was so special, man, just to see how they, they love you very, very much. Anyway, come on. So good. What a privilege. What a privilege. And the Lord's going to send so many more. Um, in, in this house as well and, and from this house and uh, whether he sends you down the road or whether he sends you across the world, it's ascending time, you know, um, and even into business and, and uh, you know, those kind of spheres, the Ben and all the guys are called to, to really take the gospel into the deepest, darkest places in the business sphere. That's the reality. So I'm excited. All right, so I've been talking about Antioch. If you don't know about Antioch, um, we went to Antakya, which is what Antioch is now, and uh, saw the ruins and walked into the caves and did all the cool things um, and met the believers there. And uh, just something stirred in my heart about the church of Antioch that we read about in Acts 11 and Acts 13. And I began to unpack it last week just a little bit about how in Acts 11 you see that it's just some people, just a few known names. Nobody knows who they are. They've been scattered because of persecution. And uh, the reason, I just want to explain something to you, and I said this last week, but I'm just doing a quick recap. The, the church in Jerusalem, over the period of somewhere around seven to ten years, hadn't left Jerusalem much. And, and they, they, they had a commission from Jesus, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in, in the period of about nearly ten years, they hadn't actually left Jerusalem much. And so persecution comes, and I don't believe that the Lord sent it, but God takes something like persecution and uses it to advance the church, advance the movement of the church to places they probably didn't think about going to. And so you've got these nameless people that we don't know who they are, but they were obviously really scared because they traveled from Jerusalem all the way up to Antioch. And they find themselves there, and they begin to preach the gospel, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. And the hand of the Lord's upon them, and suddenly we begin to see Antioch established as this apostolic base into the region. And it becomes this launching platform, a community that is about the destinies of God in, in people and, and redeeming those destinies and sending them. And so you see that Barnabas is sent there as a spiritual father, and he recognizes what's happening and remembers a man named Saul who God encountered and changed his life. And said to him that you'd be an apostle to the Gentiles. But this man is sitting in Tarsus in his hometown, probably not knowing, what am I doing in Tarsus? Uh, the Lord said apostle to the Gentiles, and I'm sitting in Tarsus. I don't know what is going on. But Barnabas recognized the moment that he was in. And he remembered the destiny of God in a man named Saul. And he travels all the way to Tarsus to fetch Saul. This is an incredible thing. I think the Lord's calling us to be a company of Barnabas people. 
sons and daughters of encouragement who fight for the dreams of God in people, that we actually are about redeeming the dreams and the calls and the divine assignments of God in each other, and that it actually we're prepared to pay the price and the cost to go. I mean, that's far. Travel all the way there to fetch him and bring him back. And for a whole year, we see that they uh, teach and train and equip and it's a powerful church. First place that they called Christians, it wasn't the, to label the movement. It was a description of what they looked like. So when they named them Christians, they weren't now naming this new movement, and that's what they were going to be called. They were actually describing what they saw, a bunch of people that looked like Jesus. It's a, really, it's a unified, beautiful thing. So this is a powerful church, and I shared about this. And then in Acts 13, um, I explained that it says, you know, while they were praying and fasting, ministering to the Lord, worshiping the Lord, the, the Greek word there is litageo, and it's not the normal word for worship. It's actually the priestly rhythm of life. It is somebody who understands to go in and out and minister to the Lord, in and out of His presence. And it's the word that was used to talk about the priests in the Old Testament, that they would come in every uh, so often in the day, the specific times, come in and minister to the Lord. And that's what this community had cultivated. They had cultivated a culture of priestly ministry to the heart of God. And by doing that, they created an environment for the voice of God to lead them and commission them as a community. And so the key to being a people of missions is actually not just to care, but to be a people of His presence. And when you become a people of His presence, you create an environment that breeds the dream of God in each other. It begins to multiply. And suddenly we create a context to hear the Holy Spirit clearly where He can truly be the leader of the church. And so it says that uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I've called them. And then it says that they went back to fasting and praying. Just in a couple of lines. It's really beautiful. So they're worshiping, ministering to the Lord. Holy Spirit speaks, set them apart. I've called them. And their response to the call is to go back into his presence and continue and let it settle. And then it says, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went. And then we read Acts. And it's this most beautiful uh, expression of apostolic ministry, the call of God, and how the bride begins to uh, advance across the region. So I shared about this, and then I took us to Isaiah 6, and I said, Isaiah 6, we read it, and we love the part that's about who will go, who shall I, whom shall I send, or who will go for us, but we forget that the first part is an encounter with the King of glory, for my eyes have seen the King. And he actually says, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm not worthy, I'm guilty, I live among a people that are not worthy. But then he gets touched by a burning coal. And it's a representation of the life of Jesus. A burning coal from the altar. He gets touched and it says your guilt and your sin is atoned for. It's taken away. I've now given you everything that you need. It's never been you. It's always been the power of the gospel. I'm just, you need to go back and listen to this. I'm just giving a quick recap to kind of position us. But Isaiah then gets prepared and equipped by encounter, by being a, a person of the presence of God, by being in his presence, seeing the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filling the temple. That is what births missions, sustains missions, and it's the final goal of missions. <clears throat> so I want to take us uh, to Psalm 91, if you're okay, uh, because this is something that the Lord uh, was doing in me while we were in the Middle East. And... Um, it's really interesting because when we were going, the Lord said He was going to teach me three things. And they were not three things that I was expecting to hear from the Lord when you're going to the Middle East. You know, when you're traveling, you want to hear that He's going to teach you about how to reach 
you know, Muslim people, or he's going to teach you about those things. But what he said to me was three things. He said, I'm going to teach you how to abide. I'm going to teach you how to read the word. <laughs> and I'm going to show you the power of the gospel. And those three things were not really, um, it didn't really make sense to me when you're preparing to go to, you know, some place that you have these big dreams and expectations as to what you want to see. And the Lord says, I'm going to teach you how to abide. I'm going to teach you how to read the word. And I'm going to teach you the power of the gospel. And uh, he had me in Psalm 91 verse 1 the whole time that I was there. And I could not move from this. See, if we are called to be positioned right now as a people that are not just going to survive, but actually going to rise and shine and bring the light of the gospel to the nations, we need to first learn how to be a people of His presence, a people who learn how to abide, how to dwell. And Psalm 91 verse 1 says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, we know this scripture, right? You probably got it on a fridge somewhere or maybe on your phone wallpaper, um, but I just began to, when we were walking the streets and meeting people, and uh, under my breath, I just kept hearing, he who dwells shall abide. He who dwells shall abide. And I began to just study this and meditate on this, and it was he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. And I was saying, Lord, what do you mean by the shelter of the Most High? And I began to think about a shelter, think about covering. And I started to read it like, he who dwells in the covering of the Most High God. What is it like to be positioned and to choose to, to place yourself, position yourself in the covering of the Most High God? Not any, not any God, not an idea, not a theology, not just a message, but the Most High God, to be under the covering of the Most High God. It's a very powerful thing. And when you begin to do that, when you choose to dwell, it says that you'll abide. And it says, you'll abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I thought about shadow, and I, I said, Lord, there's no darkness in you. So what do you mean by shadow? And he said to me, Connor, I'm talking about the reality, the manifestation of my presence. That the shadow of the Almighty is the fact that God is here, that His presence is here. There is a manifestation and a reality, a realm that is, is manifest and demonstrated to us when we're under the covering. He who dwells in the covering of the Most High shall abide in the manifest glory of the Almighty. Just, I mean, we, we don't have to even move on from the Scripture. We could just sit there for a while and just think about that. What does it look like to live a life where we choose to dwell where we choose to stay, we choose to remain, we choose to position ourselves in the covering of the Most High God. And in doing so, we get the benefit of never leaving the manifest glory and presence of the Almighty. Meaning there is no power higher, no expression greater, nothing impossible for Him. But it's never to be something we strive for. It's something that becomes our reality because we chose to dwell. Do you know that if you want to dwell, you have to actually uh, pay a price to stay? You know, you can't dwell if you're in a rush. It makes sense, right? 
You can't dwell if you're in a rush. And, and something that I, I mentioned last week that really hit me hard in the Middle East was how much the Western bride has been shaped by inconvenience. And if it's inconvenient, it upsets us, it frustrates us, and, and so we move on. But what I saw there was a, a people that there was no kind of grid reference for inconvenience. They, it was a joy to pay a price for connection. It was a joy to pay a price to be together. It's a joy to pay a price for the things that we take for granted uh, so quickly and so easily. I mean, just to things like I would just say the name of Jesus and everybody would get so excited and, and revved up. And I just, I was so moved because I thought, man, Lord, your name is so beautiful. But let me never lose the impact of your name on my life. That actually it stirs my soul. It, 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 at the sound of his name, I experience a fresh wave of his presence, his freedom, his liberty, his joy, his peace. And so we're called to dwell in the presence of God. And if you read the rest of Psalm 91, everything that there flows comes from verse 1. If you want the rest of Psalm 91, learn how to dwell and learn how to abide. And if you read in, uh, in verse 9, it says, Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High God, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you and no plague come near your tent. When we were in the Middle East, you know, you're in situations and circumstances where everybody's telling you that's seriously dangerous in the middle of a global pandemic. You shouldn't be doing that. Uh, you know, don't be on all these different things. And we were living by this and just saying, you know, the reality is we've chosen to make the Most High God our dwelling place. And because of that, there is a reality to that. There is a manifestation of His presence upon us when we choose to dwell. And if you read Psalm 91, you begin to see the benefits of being in His presence. You realize that no plague can come near your tent because you've chosen to make Him your dwelling place. There's a faith and a confidence that comes uh, in a people who know the presence of the Lord, who know how to dwell, who know how to abide, who understand that we weren't called to figure it out. We weren't called uh, to have the answers. We were called to live and remain and dwell in His presence. And from that place is fruitfulness. From that place is protection. From that place is everything that you need. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness has been given to you by God. <clears throat> uh, sure, there's so much I want to say, but for the sake of time, uh, I found something really interesting in, in uh, Luke chapter 4, if you want to turn there, connected to Psalm 91. Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit for 40 days, and he's tempted by the devil. He fasts, he doesn't eat. And uh, when he comes out of the wilderness, listen to this, he comes out in power, okay? But what happens in the wilderness? The devil throws three things at him, three temptations that we get to read. There was probably more, but there's three that are highlighted. But one of the things that really uh, grabs me is that you see Jesus' responses are things like, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Uh, he's beginning to, to paint a picture of what it looks like for somebody to dwell. Somebody who's living in the manifest presence of God. He's, he's showing you that there is a supernatural realm. There is a supernatural life. There is a way to live that is very different to the world. He says things like, It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. He's giving you these, these uh, uh, signals as to recognize what it's like to be in His presence. The things that you care about when you live in this place, right? 
The third one is interesting because the devil, after these two, you see the devil starts to realize something. And I think he started to see that Jesus was walking in an expression of Psalm 91. He throws two things at him. The responses that the devil gets are revealing that Jesus is abiding, that he is in the manifest glory of God in the wilderness. And so he throws something at him, and guess what he does? He quotes Psalm 91, and he says, uh, and he took, he took Jesus to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, here's where he quotes Psalm 91, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When I've read this, I don't know about you guys, but I read it and the way I picture Jesus is like he's, he's in the wilderness and he's just trying to get through this moment. Do you ever read it like that? It's like you read like he's being tempted and there's stuff coming at him and he's, he's dealing with it and it's just, this is what the Bible says and he's just trying to get through this. And, and suddenly this was opening in my heart. I'm going, hold on a second. Jesus is in an incredibly powerful, victorious position right here. Jesus isn't struggling and, and, and just trying to scrape through the desert experience here. Jesus is standing in victory. And the devil throws Psalm 91 at him. And Jesus, he says something interesting, that you shall not test the Lord your God. Now we know he's quoting scripture, but why would he say that to, to what the devil just gave to him? I'm telling you it's this. When you're abiding, when you're dwelling, when you're in the presence of God, when you learn how to dwell, there is no reason to test or prove anything because it's real to you already. When you're dwelling in His presence, it, it, what, what is there to question? What is there to test? What is there to prove when I am dwelling and abiding in the manifestation of who He is? And I think Jesus models something for us here where He goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and, and teaches us that it's presence first. And He shows us that there is a life to live that is not bound or limited by the natural realm but that we're called to be a people of priests who minister to the heart of God first and foremost as sons. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He comes out the water, Spirit of God comes upon him and sends him into the wilderness to be alone with God, to cultivate what? A life that abides. <clears throat> Not that Jesus wasn't doing that, but he's becoming the prototype of a people that will carry his heart to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus models for 40 days cultivating this life of the presence of God and he comes out in power. And we're at a time right now where I believe that the church is, has come to the realization that we need the power of the gospel. That we cannot be a people of discussion with no demonstration. That we cannot be a people of words and gatherings, but not see the power and the demonstration of the gospel expressed, not just through a few, but through every life in the community. That we're all called to be trained and equipped and prepared by the Lord to minister with the ministry of reconciliation that's been entrusted to us, that looks like signs and wonders and smiles and hugs. <clears throat> but I believe that sometimes what happens is we recognize the gap so quickly, and what we do is we jump to the result before realizing actually what sustains and births this in our lives. And so we want to walk in the power that Jesus promised us to walk in, but we don't want to pay the price of dwelling. We're so excited to get to the, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Freely you've received before you can give. So yes, the gospel says anybody can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen. I agree. 
But he said, freely you have received, freely give. So we need to be a people that know how to receive. We need to be a people that know how to dwell. We need to be a people that understand Psalm 91 verse 1 so that the rest of it can flow. When we begin to dwell in the presence of the Lord, when we begin to dwell in His covering, meaning this, if it's the covering of Jesus, then what, what, what's over you and around you and, and what's protecting you and what should be seen in you is not you and your efforts and your striving and, and how you've done your spiritual formation and got yourself together for this hour. No, what happens is when you're seen, you're seen by the blood of Jesus. You're seen through the blood, by the blood. When people look at you, they see the covering of the Most High God, and the Father chose to make that covering the blood of His Son. So when you dwell in the covering, in the shelter, what's the shelter? It's Jesus. When we dwell in the covering, when we dwell in Jesus, when we dwell in what He's done for us, then we, we get to walk in the power of the Almighty God that's upon us as His people. Not because you earned it or deserve it, not because you did something to get it, but because you're in and under the covering. <laughs> and so I've been just praying and, and wrestling in my heart and saying, Lord, teach me how to abide. Teach me how to abide. Teach me how to dwell. Teach me how to make the decisions, the little decisions in my day that keep me dwelling so that I can abide. And as I begin to do that, I see the fruitfulness of God begin to move in my life. I'll give you an example. When we were in the Middle East, um, while we were praying, the Lord said Syria. And I'm like, Lord, why would you send me to Turkey and then say Syria? You know, and then people back home are praying and then we get in contact. The Lord is saying Syria, you know. And at this stage, we had only met Turkish people. And so we're, we're, we're praying, and, and I'll just be honest with you. So I get into this thing where I'm like, we're going to the border of Syria. That's what we're doing. And so I'm trying to find uh, you know, people that will take us there. I'm even talking to the believers that we met. Somebody take me to the border of Syria. Everyone's going, no, 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 no. We are not taking you there. And uh, they were, obviously, we found out why. This is pretty silly if we were to go. It's very dangerous. And so they knew um, but they were just protecting us, but saying, no, you're not going to go then. So I'm, I'm striving and I'm looking for a way to make this thing real, to open this word that the Lord has given to us. And it comes to this day where we, we get up and we're praying and we've tried really hard and now we just go, okay, Lord, we're going to just rest. We love you. We're going to worship you. We're going to walk the streets. We don't really know what you have for us today, but we're going to just love you, just abide, just dwell. Well, we put on our stuff, it was freezing, got all our jackets and bags, and we, we walk out the door, and I get a message from Hanny. <laughs> and he says to me, I, I want to connect you with a Syrian refugee. And the next three days, we just spent hours and hours with Syrians. And God opened the nation of Syria to, in our hearts, you know. And we learned more about the nation of Syria in Turkey <laughs> than we probably would have if we had went to Syria. So, what I'm saying to you is from that place of rest, God begins to move. From that place of abiding, God begins to open and unlock doors. <clears throat> hmm. I was going to do this, this whole uh, thread and take you from David's tabernacle all the way through to, to Jesus, to the Acts 2, the birth of the church, Antioch, and you begin to see how God's heart was always about creating a people for his own possession. And that he, from the beginning, he was already showing us that his intentions were not just for, for buildings and, and uh, services, which, you know, there's empty buildings in the Middle East, tons of them. 
And, and then you think, where is the church? And then you just have to go underneath and suddenly you see it's a wildfire. And, um, and that's where I began to realize that the Lord is not looking for, for buildings and services. He's looking for a people for his own possession. Why do we gather? We gather because, number one, it is our great privilege to be together in his presence and to minister to the heart of God. And from that place, we're seated at the table with the Father. You come to the table first to bless the Father, but then you get even more abundantly blessed by the Father to take what He's given you and to feed it and to call uh, to feed the, the lost orphans, to feed the ones who don't know their sons and daughters and to say, there's bread for you at the table. The Father's calling you home. So, so this, this movement of evangelism and missions is coming from a people who know how to sit at the table with the Father, with the family, who know how to love one another. You know, we came back and we said family is not about, well, we're family because we get together. That's not true. Because you can get together and not even like each other. But why are we family? We're family, yes, number one, because we have the same Holy Spirit and we're one in Jesus. But we're family because we prefer one another over ourselves. That inconvenience is not in the culture of family. It's my great privilege for it to cost me to love you. Because that's how we represent the heart of the Father to each other. And so family is not so much about you trying to find a church to belong to where you feel like the leadership and the pastors uh, have a good language and understanding of family and are trying really hard to make you feel included. <laughs> that is not family. If you want that, that's called an institution or an organization, self-help program. It's not the church. When you encounter Jesus, you need nothing but Him. You need nothing but Him. He will fill you. He will train you. He will equip you. He will lead you. He will guide you. But when you come into the family, you get fathered and mothered and you stand alongside brothers and sisters for the purposes of what? His glory. And when you get discipled, it's not so much about you being dependent and reliant on someone to disciple you. It's about the privilege of following Jesus together and spurring one another on, encouraging one another, learning from one another, teaching one another about who this beautiful Jesus is. So the Lord's redefining and He's, He's shaping in our hearts that family is not so much about being really well organized to make sure we tick the boxes and waiting for your pastor to contact you to come and have coffee or breakfast or whatever, but realizing that you right now in this moment can make a choice to prefer your brother or your sister or your mother or your father or son and daughter above yourself and in doing so begin to cultivate, demonstrate and create family, true kingdom family. And as you begin to do that, what happens is you get shepherds instead of slave masters. You get shepherds who it's their great privilege to love the sheep the great privilege to protect the sheep. But the sheep aren't waiting for the shepherd to show them how to be a sheep. You, are you getting what I'm saying? And so God's like waking the church up again to say, come on. We, we don't, we're, not, we're not looking for somebody else. We, we don't go from church to church looking for somebody that we respect who lives a Christian life that we would like to call our own but don't have the courage to follow. So I like to attend a meeting by someone that I respect because they live a life that I think is kind of the Christian life and, and it's a great privilege to be close to that. No, you were called. 
to follow Jesus. You were called to be filled and equipped and, and, and for God to minister to you and use you to touch nations and people and places. And you're called to be a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You have a, a right as a son and a daughter to come into His glory, to come into His presence and to see the, the manifestation of that glory in your life everywhere that you go. I, I share this now because coming back, honestly, what really touched my heart, I feel like, and I, and I was warned about this, but I feel like more happened in my heart than actually anything else. You know, you just, you come back and you just go, Lord, I just love you. You know, we're sitting in meetings this week and I'm like, I don't even want to be a good leader. I want to follow Jesus. And it's like, actually what makes good leaders is good followers of Jesus. Like I'm sitting here and I'm going, you know, it's not even about um, understanding or having the right thing to say or being that charismatic personality who's just the right guy at the right time. Come on. And if you're looking for that, you're going to be, you know, unsatisfied, unfulfilled every time. And it's, let's be honest, it's exhausting, right? But when we're just real and simple and we're just sons and daughters and even shepherds, you know, as a shepherd in this house, when we're just real and honest and raw, and we come and we just go, it's a great joy to follow Jesus. And I, I am, I am uh, ruthless and relentless about the decision that I've made to follow Him. And I pray that that in some way inspires you to follow Him too. And that there are responsibilities as shepherds to protect, and I get that, and there's doctrine, and I, hear me, I agree, I know all of that. But what I'm saying is the Lord's bringing us to a place of family where it's not so much about pulpits and titles. and It's about a family that know how to operate under the government of God. It's the government of God. It's the leadership of God. You know, I was thinking about those three things. Can you imagine a church that knows how to abide, knows how to read the word, and understands the power of the gospel? That's a force to be reckoned with. And I, I felt like in my heart, I was just so stirred and encouraged at the simplicity of what we're called to be as a family. You know, there's so many questions and things out there right now with what's happened and, you know, people accusing prophets and now bashing one another and this one must apologize and you're wrong and I was right and all this kind of stuff. I, I touched on this last week. I just want to say this because it's actually good to release this. What was it about Antioch that made the prophets come from Jerusalem to Antioch to release a word that was for the, the bride? They come to Antioch and Agabus gets up and he releases a prophetic word of a famine that's coming. But what, how does he release it? He doesn't release a word to be right. He doesn't release a word to be impressive. He didn't come to Antioch to say, guess what? I knew when everyone didn't. He comes to Antioch to release a word with a shepherd's heart to say, how will we care for the brothers? That's the heart of the prophetic. That God wants to speak to us ahead of time, prepare us. That He wants to speak to prophets, but what, they need to have a shepherd's heart or be submitted to, a, to shepherd's authority so that as a family we can care for one another, prefer one another. That love is what governs every gift in the family. And so we're beginning to see at this time that God wants to move in a simple way in the church. And I, I can feel the pressure because you have a, a conversation or you're in a meeting and, and everybody's looking for that next crazy wild word or encounter. Or what did you get? Or what, what did you see? And I'm not saying that we're going to see and all those things are happening. But hear me. Like the Lord's bringing us to a place of simplicity. And I think in this hour, it's probably the most needed word. 
is to just come back to his feet, to come back to the beauty of Jesus, to come back to loving him and loving each other well. And it's no longer about having something to say. It's about becoming something. Amen. <laughs> you take over. <laughs> so I... I didn't plan on going yet, but I just I want to I want to encourage you and bless you and and bring a word of of um, from a shepherd's heart to say that as twenty four seven church we we don't we're not trying to build something exclusive, you know we this is there's never been about a movement or a brand. The the very reason why the church was named twenty four seven church was because we had one desire to just be the church twenty four seven. We just want to be what Jesus called us to be all the time. No matter what, here and in every nation on the planet. And we want to reproduce the heart of God everywhere that we go. And so it's never been about trying to keep people. It's never been about trying to solve your problems. Oh, thank the Lord that it's never been about trying to solve people's problems. Can you imagine what we would be like? Because the reality is there's no way that any man or woman on earth is going to solve your problems. They can do one thing and one thing alone, point you to Jesus. It's at the revelation of Jesus that you find everything that you need. And so if we become a people of his presence, we become built upon the revelation of Jesus. And he said it in Matthew 16, on this rock, what rock? The revelation of the Son of God. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, we're in a time where the gates of hell have a lot to say. There's a lot of stuff out there right now. But the reality is, that we, we're not going to lose. And the reason why we're not going to lose is because we understand we've been built on the revelation of Jesus Christ. So if there's one thing that we are called to go after more than anything else, one thing I've desired of the Lord, this one thing I seek, what is it? That I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life. What is he talking about? The revelation, the beauty, the worthiness of Jesus. It'll never get old. It'll never get boring. And so even like with our Bible studies, I'm excited to get into the Word and learn how to read the Word with the Holy Spirit in a manner that brings change and transformation to your life, not just so that you have some scriptures that you can quote or that you know, not just to have more information, not just so that, yeah. And I just want to say this as well, you know, gone are the days where spending time with Jesus meant watching a sermon on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you know how we do that? Well, I'm feeling a bit dry, so I'm going to just, you know, watch a YouTube video, just lift my spirit. And then we, like, we call this Christianity, you know, it's just, we just missed it a little bit. And the grace and the mercy of God is bringing us back. And he's saying, do you understand what you carry? Do you understand what's inside of you? that you, you, you're carrying the treasure of my spirit, that the same spirit that, that Jesus was filled with and walked on the earth, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, the same spirit that birthed the church, and the same spirit that's bringing Jesus back and, and unifying us with him. See, I love, there was a song I heard, it says, heaven can't restrain him forever. He's our beloved. Jesus isn't sitting there waiting for you to get your act together so that he can come fetch you. I love the picture of him being restrained. It's like he is, he's ready. He loves you. He is passionately after you. He's got eyes full of fire. Why do you think he encounters us the way he encounters us? Why does he appear with eyes of fire and crazy light? He is so in love with you. Ooh. 
He wants to touch you and fill you more than you even could imagine or think of wanting to have him. He's so in love with you. And if we would open our hearts and, and, and realize the simplicity of just receiving, we have so much to give in this hour. So much to give. And I think, you know, we've, we, there's been a misrepresentation where we've run around with a bunch of information and it's putting people off. Because you say something that's not a reality in your life. You say you love me, but have you even taken time to think about me or pray for me? You know, we're quick to say things. Yeah, I'll pray for you. Have you ever even thought of, of praying for that person? You know, we say these things casually. And it's not to put guilt and shame and condemnation. It's not that at all. It's just to challenge us to say there is a substance and a reality of the kingdom of God in our lives that will make us a people that are so abstract to society. So different to the world that when the world looks at us, they can say Christian. Like Jesus. Wow, I didn't get to any of the teaching. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I really wanted to teach it because it's very cool. Maybe another time. But I just, I feel like um, for some of us, the Lord's just like decluttering. <laughs> He's getting rid of a lot of noise and a lot of junk. And maybe you came here today and you've, there's been a lot of stuff, man. A lot of voices, a lot of opinions. You know, I find it quite funny how we think, you know, we, we live in this, this puny planet that's a speck amongst other specks. <laughs> it's this tiny little thing. And galaxies and galaxies of the, the art galleries of God. <laughs> There's this tiny little planet with these tiny little people with these even tiny little brains. And then we think that we know. <laughs> I think that in itself just shows us, I don't think we were created to have it all figured out. I don't think we were created to know what to do all the time. I think we were created to abide. I think we were created for intimacy. That you were created to be one with the being, the person, God, who created everything including you. And what does that look like? What does that become in our lives? So I, I have a sense today that the love of God is just going to set you free with truth. That there's things, you know, that you've been struggling with, wrestling with, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But in His presence, there's fullness of joy. Fullness of joy, not a moment of joy, fullness of joy, which means you get totally liberated, set free, and completely filled with Him. And if you, if you want it and if you're hungry, it's yours, because He loves you. So my, my prayer for us is that the Lord would put in us a hunger and a humility for Him and, and for more of Him than we've ever known. It's not of our own nature. This is not a humility and a hunger that we stir up. It's something that's given to us as His bride to long for Him. And it's by the Holy Spirit. And I pray now, Lord, that you begin to minister to our hearts and that you stir us, stir our hearts to know you more. And as we do that, Lord, that the the truth of the gospel, the love of God would permeate our hearts and our beings and fill us and set us free, that the truth would set people free today in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray even now that you silence every other voice, every other agenda, every other opinion, the things that we filled our ears with and our thoughts with. We silence it now in Jesus' name and we say, let the, the voice of Jesus, like many rushing waters, let it come and fill every single mind, every single soul, every single heart right now. 
And I ask for the, the, the Father heart of God to be made known to sons and daughters in this room and online as well. And we bless you, Holy Spirit. We bless you. What a privilege to know you. What a privilege to minister to your heart. Can you stand with me? When we were in, uh, in the Middle East, the Lord said something to me when he was teaching me these things. He said, Connor, you only, let me read it to you actually. I wrote it like this. He, he spoke it in my heart and I said, he only has all of me when I have nothing but him. He, the Lord only has all of me when I have nothing but Him. When we're prepared to forsake all else but possess God. He spoke this to my spirit as well. And I just feel like someone needs to hear this. He said to enter into the spirit life is to completely deny and forsake your existence outside of Him. To enter into the spirit life is to completely deny and forsake your existence outside of Him. That who you are is only found in Him. There's nothing left for you to even think about, consider, look at. Outside of Him is nothing. He said that is for your spirit and your soul to be so in union with Christ that you recognize no other but Him. There's a place of abiding in the Lord where we don't even recognize our own nature apart from Christ, that it's so foreign to us. Anything outside of who He is can become so foreign to us if we just learn to dwell. How do we dwell? We just learn to receive. You can't even love the Lord without Him first putting that love in your heart. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is pouring out the love of God into you to love Him back with a pure love. That He gives you the oil to pour out. Lord, I pray today that we would be so abandoned to ourselves, that we would forsake ourselves, deny ourselves apart from You. We know that You've created us beautifully and uniquely, but in Christ, in You, I pray that our natures apart from Jesus would become so foreign to us that we would only recognize Christ. And so I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to take these words and, and an invitation and to make it reality in people's hearts. Because I know, Lord, that teaching and sermons and they're just invitations to put someone on the path, but it's your presence that transforms. And so I ask now for an infilling of the Holy Spirit in every heart and every life that is hungry and longing for more of you. And as they receive your Spirit in a greater measure today, I thank you that the presence of Jesus, the very Spirit of your Son, would transform us and make us like you. Let the gentle, tender kiss of God <laughs> be upon us today. Let us never stop feeling the tender kiss of the Father. We'll never be the same again. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we say thank you and we receive today. And I, 
I thank you, Lord, that if there's anything I've said that's not of your heart, let it fall away on deaf ears. But what is you? Spirit of truth, come and lead us into all truth. Come and lead us into our destinies in heaven and, and the, the realms that you've called us to walk in, that they would be expressed and manifest here on the earth by the power of the Spirit of God. And we love you and we honor you and we worship you. There is no one like you. There is no other but you, Jesus. Isa, Yeshua, Yeshua. Laik <laughs> Isa. Worthy Jesus. Worthy Jesus. There is no one like you. Kutsal Isa. Holy Jesus. You're beautiful, Lord. Yeah. And I just ask, Lord, for just your healing power, your healing touch in this room to heal everybody, every pain, every uh, sickness whether it's emotional, physical. Lord, I thank you even now that your perfect love is driving out fear. I thank you that you're healing broken hearts, that you're healing wounds that covered and hid themselves for a long time. That there's not just restoration, but there's wholeness and perfection in Jesus. That he doesn't even leave the scars, but he makes you brand new. And so, Lord, I I speak healing. And I ask that you give us grace to receive, that where people are struggling to receive, Lord, give us grace. Grace to receive, grace to say yes. Mercy to take a hold of your love. You're so good, Lord. There's not a single person worthy of anything that you've given us. But by your grace, you count us worthy, Lord. So we love you. We honor you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for healing right now. Knees, hips, backs, necks, fingers. I thank you for rest and peace over people, that those that are not sleeping, that are struggling to sleep and to rest. I thank you for peace. And I release the justice of God over the, over the people of God as well, the justice of God. It doesn't look like earthly justice. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. And the kingdom of God never moves in justice without mercy. Vengeance is the Lord's. You're perfect. You're holy. You're beautiful, Lord. We love you, Holy Spirit. We don't ever like to end times like this, so we're gonna, I'm going to ask maybe Sol and, and anyone who wants to of the team just to maybe play and worship and minister. Um, if you need prayer, I want to ask this. If you need prayer and ministry, you know, please come and we've got people that will pray for you. If you have a word or something, um, if you can, just keep it. Um, and we'll, we can have another time to talk about it unless you really feel it's the Lord. That's okay. Um, but I just, I really feel like I want to focus on just praying for those that need ministry. And so um, just asking that you respect that space as well. Um, but we love you so much. And we're so excited for even what the Lord's going to do in the midweek. I can't wait to see some of you here when you can make it to come through to the prayer rooms. Um, and uh, also on Zoom on Wednesday. But we love you so much. God's got so much ahead for us. And um, yeah, see you in the week. Bless you guys.